betray me. It was a, it was a crazy night. Jesus taught them afterwards with an intensity, with, with things that you just had this sense that he was sharing his heart because it might be the last time that, that he had to do that. And then they left and they went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. Jesus took them there. And while Jesus is praying, the disciples do what? They fall asleep. And in the midst of, uh, of Jesus pouring himself out to God in a way that he had never done before, pleading for God to provide some other way, um, a crowd enters into the Garden of Gethsemane. The disciples are still asleep. Jesus goes over and wakes them up and says, hey, it's time now. And they wake up to see torches and this group of people with clubs and with swords coming to arrest Jesus. Um, in their fatigue, those disciples lost their bearings. They got scared. They went into fight or flight mode. Peter takes out his sword and tries to defend Jesus. And Jesus says, no, that's not the way that we're going to do things. But he goes, Jesus goes and talks to the mob and says, I'm the guy that you're looking for. And the mob is just astounded by that. They quiet down. They fall backwards. And then they finally regather themselves, get angry again, and they take Jesus away. They lead him away under guard to the house of Caiaphas, the, the high priest. What do the, what do the disciples do in that moment with that mob there in the Garden of Gethsemane? The guys, these guys who have seen Jesus supernaturally feed thousands of people at one time, who have seen Jesus walk on water, who have seen Jesus instantaneously heal people of leprosy, heal people who were crippled, who were blind. They've seen Jesus raise people from the dead. What did the disciples do? They cut and run. They get scared, they panic, they take off. Mark describes it this way. The crowd has come, Jesus is talking to them, and Jesus says, what, am I leading a rebellion that you come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you didn't arrest me, but the scriptures had to be fulfilled. And then it, Mark says this, then everyone, which meant the disciples, everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind him. What was it that made the disciples cut and run? They were scared. They were tired. They were emotionally exhausted. And they felt this sense of threat from the crowd. They'd just woken from a deep sleep. They couldn't make sense of what was going on around them. And they took off. They were worn out. So it was either fight or flight, and they chose flight. You know, we're not that different from the disciples. When the pressure's on, when we're backed against a wall, our normal response when we're worn out is to run. We run from our problems. We run from our responsibilities. We run from the consequences of bad decisions that we've made. We often run from horrible things that have happened to us in the past. We run to escape all of that. Now, we don't usually physically run. We instead run to the refrigerator, right? We run to an Amazon website to find something to buy. We run to Netflix 
or prime. We run to a casino or to alcohol or to drugs to just numb our minds. We, want, we run to relationships that are physical but far from intimate. Some of us run to escape through exercise. But here's the thing, running away never works. It didn't work for the disciples and it doesn't work for us. Running away never works because when you stop running, those problems, those things that you tried to run away from, they will find their way back to you. They go with us. They will always catch up. And when we run away from those things, from those issues, from those problems, that those things that are weighing on us, more times than not, we run away from the solution to our problem as well. When you look back on the story of Jesus' arrest, we're able to clearly see what the solution was to the disciples' fear. It was Jesus, right? That was the answer. What was the fix for Jesus, for, for the disciples' anxiety and uncertainty? It was Jesus. What was the solution to the sense of loss that they had to experience when they realized as that crowd come, as the mob came and arrested Jesus, that they may have spent, that they may have wasted the last three years of their life? The fix was Jesus. It was to look to him. But the disciples were afraid and they were worn out. And when you're worn out, you can't think straight. You can't process information clearly. You can't make sense of what's right in front of you. Let, let me set up the events that lead to that first Easter morning. On Thursday night, Jesus celebrates the Passover. They go to the garden. Jesus is arrested and taken to the house of Caiaphas. There with the religious leaders, they have to try and decide, are they ready to call for Jesus' execution or not? And so they punch and beat Jesus there in front of Caiaphas. And, and question him and hold him there until they get to the place that they say, okay, yes, we have charges. We're going to ask for him to be executed. So then they take Jesus under guard to Pilate, to the Roman governor of Judea, the only person who can authorize Jesus to be executed. He comes to Pilate and Pilate questions Jesus and doesn't find any reason to have him executed. But he's afraid of the crowd, and so he won't let him go. And in the midst of the interrogation, he realizes that Jesus is from Galilee and that the, that the governor of Galilee is in town in Jerusalem as well. So Pilate sends Jesus under guard to Herod, who's the, who's the governor of Galilee. Herod interviews him, questions him, and Herod doesn't want to have him executed, doesn't see a reason for that. Herod doesn't want to let him go either, so Herod sends him sends Jesus back under guard, back to Pilate. By the time he gets back to Pilate, it's somewhere between eight and nine in the morning. And the word has gone out through Jerusalem that Jesus is being tried. And, and, and the people who had been cheering for Jesus just four or five days before flood into the palace of Pilate. Primed by the religious leaders, they begin to call for Jesus' head. Pilate tries to, tries to absolve himself of any responsibility, but finally he agrees that Jesus can be executed. He has him severely beaten, and Jesus is taken through the streets of Jerusalem to a hill outside of town, nailed to a cross, and left there to die. By noon, in the middle of the day, 
the sky has gone dark. And at three o'clock in the afternoon, by three o'clock in the afternoon, everything's over, it's done. Jesus is dead. An earthquake happens at that point in time. And, and the city doesn't know what to make of that. Two of Jesus' followers come and take Jesus' body off the cross and place his body in a family tomb that one of them owned. And the city of Jerusalem, filled with Jews, be, begins to celebrate Sabbath, the day of rest. Only I think that particular Sabbath probably wasn't very restful at all. The darkness, what was that about? The earthquake, they're trying to make a sense of that and all of that stuff with Jesus. It was a crazy, crazy time. Like I said, when you're worn out, you can't think straight. You can't process information clearly. You can't make sense of what's right in front of you. And that was true of the followers of Jesus. John describes it this way, the events of Sunday morning. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, that's John who's writing this, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen that, that were lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in place, in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. But they still didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. If you picture what happened on, on that that uh, Sunday morning, there was a lot of running. On Thursday night, everybody had been running away from Jesus, from the, cr from the crowd. All the disciples had left. But on Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene um, runs to Simon and Peter to say, the body's gone. We've got to find the body. What's, what's happened? Simon, uh, Simon Peter, and, and John, they run to the tomb to try and figure out what's going on. So, the, the, you know, there's people running everywhere. And they discover that the tomb is empty. Mary Magdalene, Peter, John, all see the stone rolled away. Jesus' grave clothes folded up neatly on the stone slab. And Jesus is nowhere to be seen. When you're worn out, you can't think clearly. And they couldn't make any sense of what they were seeing. John says, in retrospect, years later, he saw and believed. But I've got to question the depth of his belief because what do Peter and John do? They go back to the house where they're staying. Put yourself in their place. Think for a second and think. They go to the tomb. The tomb's empty. They think maybe that Jesus could be alive and they go back to the house. That doesn't make any sense, right? You'd, you'd, you'd go looking for him. You'd try and find out what had happened. It's like, what were they going to do back at the house? Have a hunt for jelly beans somewhere? Because it's Easter morning. Who knows? We know that Mary's confused. 
that she can't make sense of it because John describes it. Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. When you're worn out, you can't make sense of what's right in front of you. Jesus was right there, and Mary didn't realize it. She couldn't fathom it. She couldn't even think that it was possible. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him. I'll go get him. Jesus said to her, Mary? She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, master, Lord. Mary Magdalene went with the disciple, went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told him that he had said these things to her. By the middle of that morning, the guards who had been stationed around the tomb to protect it and to make sure that the disciples didn't steal Jesus' body, they begin to build a cover story that's spreading throughout Jerusalem to say, oh yeah, his disciples came and stole the body, just what they were, just what they were charged with not allowing to happen. The disciples know that that's not true, but they're still not sure what to believe. Sometime during the day, Mary Magdalene comes and tells them what, what Jesus had said, what she had experienced, what she had seen, but they're still not sure. Peter and John tell them that they've seen the empty tomb, but they're still not sure because they can't make sense of the idea that two days earlier, they had seen their mentor, their friend, their rabbi on the cross, dead. And it's two days later, and they're saying that he's alive. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, don't be afraid. Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Finally, when the disciples see Jesus, everything becomes clear. Even in their fatigue, they know what they know what they know, that that's Jesus in front of them and that he's alive because he's right there looking them in the eyes. Their lives would never be the same again. They saw Jesus die on the cross the perfect sacrifice for sin, the innocent for the guilty. But when they saw him alive, their despair was replaced by hope, their fear replaced by joy, their loss replaced with confidence and boldness, their uncertainty with purpose. So what's the message for us on April 4th, 2021? As that unseen enemy continues to dominate the news and tries to envelop us with fear and isolation, 
and fatigue. The message is this. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus and look him in the eyes. Look him in the eyes and know that he's alive, that he has overcome that enemy. In the midst of your fatigue, no matter how worn out you feel, take courage in the reality that Jesus is risen from the dead. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to drag yourself out of bed. You don't have to carry the burden of guilt. You don't have to carry the grief of those that you've lost even in the last year. Jesus is alive. Am I really worn out? Only when I take my eyes off Jesus. The message of Easter is a message of hope and victory and life. A message of refreshment and renewal and purpose that dwarfs a pandemic. Peace that creates a new perspective that's full of excitement, full of anticipation. When your eyes shift from the enemy and the inconvenience and the pain and the suffering that that enemy has caused, and your gaze focuses instead on the risen Lord Jesus, there is renewed energy in every area of our lives. The enemy who has robbed our energy, our joy, our security is not a virus. Jesus described that enemy as the one who came to steal and kill and destroy. Satan did come for that purpose. And he does even now want to do that. He wants to destroy our lives, to steal our joy to kill us. He destroyed Jesus on the cross, but he didn't know that doing so would produce a victory that we celebrate today that changes everything for us. If we know Jesus, if we know Jesus, do you know Jesus? That's the question that matters most on Easter Sunday. Not do you know about Jesus, but do you know him? Can you run towards him? Can you look him in the eye and say, teacher, my Lord and my God. One of, one of my favorite stories is from uh, the author Max Lucado. And I, I wanna just share that because I think it, it's so fitting for us on Easter morning. Longing to leave her poor Brazilian neighborhood, Christina wanted to see the world. Discontent with a home having only a pallet on the floor, a wash basin, and a wood-burning stove. She dreamt of a better life in the city. One morning, she slipped away, breaking her mother's heart. Knowing what life on the streets would be like for her young, attractive daughter, Maria hurriedly packed to go find her. On her way to the bus stop, she entered a drugstore to get one last thing, pictures. She sat in the photograph booth, closed the curtain, and spent all she could on, of, on pictures of herself. With her purse jammed full of small black and white photos, she boarded the next bus to Rio de Janeiro. Maria knew Christina had no way of earning money. She also knew that her daughter was too stubborn to give up. When pride meets hunger, a human will do things that, were, that before were thought unthinkable. Knowing this, Maria began her search, 
bars, hotels, nightclubs, any place with a reputation for streetwalkers or prostitutes. She went to them all. And at each place she left her picture, taped on a bathroom mirror, tacked to a hotel bulletin board, fastened to a corner phone booth. And on the back of each photo, she wrote a note. It wasn't too long before both the money and the pictures ran out and Maria had to go home. The weary mother wept as the bus began its long journey back to her small village. It was a few weeks later that young Christina descended the hotel stairs. Her young face had aged and was tired. Her brown eyes no longer danced with youth, but spoke of pain and fear. Her laughter was broken. Her dream had become a nightmare. A thousand times over, she had longed to trade these countless beds for her secure pallet. Yet the little village was in too many ways too far away. As she reached the bottom of the stairs, her eyes noticed a familiar face. She looked, ag she looked again, and there on the lobby mirror was a small picture of her mother. Christina's eyes burned and her throat tightened as she walked across the room and removed the photo. Written on the back was this compelling invitation. Whatever you've done, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. Please, come home. It's, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? Stop running, come home. Jesus has done all the work, just trust him. And yet, finding our way back to God is seldom easy or simple. We've been running for too long. We've de developed this pattern of, of running away from stuff, of running away from him. It's the way that we live our lives. And Satan doesn't want that to stop. He wants us trapped. He wants us tired. He wants us worn out. He did everything in his power to destroy Jesus. He'll do everything in his power to run us into the ground and destroy our lives as well. But the one thing he never anticipated, the one thing he didn't expect was that there was something that we could run towards, an empty tomb, and someone that we could run and look in the eye, a risen Savior, Jesus. A risen Savior is why today we can celebrate Christ is risen, he's risen indeed. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Let's stand together. Let's sing. Woo! The battle between death and life. And there on a tree,
pray. Father God, we thank you that Jesus is alive. God, that you breathed life into him, that he paid the price for us, and that that changes everything for us. God, give us that hope. Help us to see him. Help us to see Jesus everywhere. In his name we pray. Amen. Look to the empty tomb. Look to Jesus. He's alive. Have a great week. Happy Easter. Woo!